Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Come on. Well, happy Easter, everybody. Um, we like to just throw difficult, technical difficulties in the mix so you know what we're really like. It's like coming over to my house and going through that one drawer you're not supposed to look in. We just keep it open. Okay, look in the drawer and get it over with. We have technical difficulties. And the pastor's in the back doing this, the, the computer. This is all about, right? Come on, I wouldn't have it any other way. Perfection means something's not right. <laughs> it's like a duck, you know, it looks great on the top and the bottom. It's going like this. Yeah. We just turn the duck over and we just do it in both. Well, I'm so thankful you're here today. We are, what a great day to be um, at church. If you're uh, new to uh, the idea of church, or maybe you're uh, uh, someone who just, you know, you go to church on Easter and, um, and uh, Christmas Eve and all those things, and that's awesome. Or maybe you're here today and uh, you go to church uh, often, and this might be maybe uh, your first time with us, or maybe you're one of our regulars here at Love City Church and this is your home. Whew, I said a lot. I want to welcome you this morning. <laughs> I'm glad you're here, and we're going to have a great time just talking a little bit about uh, this idea of uh, heaven on earth. And I'm really excited about this because I feel like the Lord really gave me a, a clear thought for you. You know, We started a series, actually, in the last three weeks, a Bible series called Heaven and Hell. We were talking about the afterlife. We wanted to give you a practical look at what heaven and hell is like. What happens when I die? What happens when the world ends? What happens to this whole thing? What, what, what happens next? And, and uh, you can go online and listen to those, but today's message is kind of like a next step in that journey. We won't, talk about, uh, we won't talk about hell today, and we won't spend much time talking about heaven, but what happens when what we learned about over the last three weeks about heaven being this incredible uh, reality, this incredible place after we die, what happens when heaven comes to earth? What happens when we experience heaven on earth? And that's what we are going to talk about today, how when Jesus came uh, to earth, heaven came and rested itself on earth. And we're going to talk today about some individuals who experienced uh, this reality. But there might be some folks here today that don't even know why we celebrate Easter. There may be some individuals here today who say, okay, I get, I get the idea of it. I mean, I understand that there's Easter bunnies and Easter eggs, and I understand that people go to church, and uh, you know, maybe you've grown up going to Catholic church or whatever it might be, and maybe you're here today and you say, gosh, I just don't really know what this story is all about. Now, if those of you who maybe are, are newer, let me explain to you this idea of Easter. There's a man named Jesus Christ, and uh, every uh, secular historical record will, will prove the existence of Jesus Christ walking on the earth, walking on the planet, that he was born to a virgin, and he was born to a woman, lived on the earth. He was a, it was a, a man who was tempted and dealt with life in all ways, a manner of life like you and I did. He had people who followed him because they believed that he was the Messiah that was sent to save the world. And so finally, the Jewish people were very upset because they did not believe that Jesus was who he said that he was. And so they arrested him for blasphemy. And blasphemy, the blasphemy that they arrested him for was that Jesus had professed that he was God. And so now they arrested Jesus and they, they put him on trial. 
he was found guilty of blasphemy. And as he was found guilty, the only way for them to uh, take Jesus to a death sentence, really, they wanted Jesus crucified. And so, and Pilate was afraid of the Jews. And so what he had to do was he had to take someone out of death row and replace Jesus with this well-known serial killer. They said to the people, do you want Barabbas instead of Jesus? And they said, yes, let Barabbas go and crucify Jesus. And so Jesus went on death row and he was found guilty and he was beaten, uh, whipped, and he was carried across on his back, on his beaten back, and he carried up to a place called Golgotha. And while on Golgotha, they placed Jesus on a cross and they nailed through his hands and they nailed through his feet and he laid on the cross and then they drove a spear right up through his lungs or right up through his rib cage all the way through to his heart, piercing his heart and Jesus then died on that cross and they took Jesus off of that cross. They buried him in a tomb or a grave and this is where our story starts today. Jesus, the one they thought was the Messiah, the one that they thought was God, Jesus, the one who promised that he would come back again, the one that they put all of their faith in is now laying dead, beaten, brutalized in a grave and it's been three entire days of laying in that grave. And Jesus was now completely dead. We come to our story today, and that's the context. These men who were called disciples. Disciples were men who said, met Jesus on the road of life, met Jesus on their journey of life, and when they met Jesus, there was something about this man, and Jesus said, come and follow me, and there was something about this man that they left everything that they had, their businesses, their jobs, they left everything to follow after Jesus wholeheartedly and completely, and they uh, adhered to his teachings, and they began to know him better, and they grew in a relationship with this Jesus, and they began to believe that he was the Messiah, and now this, this man named Jesus, who they followed with their entire lives, was now laying dead in the grave. And this is where we start our story today in Luke chapter 24. We're going to walk through this verse together today and just make some observations on this verse. We'll talk to you a little bit about heaven on earth. Luke 24 verse 13 says this. Now the same day, two of, the men, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they, talked, uh, as, they, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. And so these men were these disciples. These were the men who were followers of God. These were the men who walked with Jesus and talked with Jesus and spent time with Jesus. While Jesus walked on the planet, these men experienced heaven on earth. While these men walked on the planet, they saw Jesus heal the sick. They saw Jesus raise the dead. They saw Jesus change water into wine at a wedding and make it into the best wine these guests had ever had. He caught more fish than anyone ever caught, so much that they could barely get it into the boat. He healed a dying boy. He caught... He healed a dying boy. He healed a man with a psychological problems and restored his mind back to, uh, to health. Uh, Peter, his, one of his disciples' mother-in-law, had such a bad fever, she was about to die. And Jesus healed her. He healed a man with lep leprosy, not by speaking to him, but by touching a man with leprosy, and he was healed. 
He raised a young boy from the dead who at his, his, at his funeral, in the coffin, they were carrying the, 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 the coffin to the gravesite. And Jesus walked up to the coffin and told the man, little boy, to get up. And he sat up in the coffin. That would be a crazy funeral. Jesus caused a man with a withered hand to be restored to health and he loosened the tongue of a man who could not speak and he healed a woman who had continual menstrual bleeding and he raised a young girl from the dead and he, he, he fed over 5,000 people with only 12 loaves of bread and just a few fish and he cured a deaf and a blind man and he cured a young boy who was plagued with a demonic possession and he, he, cured, he, he healed a man that was born blind. There was a young man who had dropsy which now uh, they realized that dropsy was actually uh, caused by congenitive heart failure and he healed a young boy with congenitive heart filter. He healed 10 lepers at one time. He raised his best friend Lazarus from the dead. When Peter, and they were out and Jesus was about to be arrested, Peter cut off the ear of one of the soldiers and Jesus picked up this nasty ear and put it back on Malchus's head. He restored the broken. He found a prostitute in the act of prostitution and pulled her out of the bed and they laid her in front of Jesus and they said, stone this woman because she's full of sin. And Jesus says, I don't condemn this woman and neither should you. All along through Jesus's life, these disciples experienced what it felt like heaven on earth. They saw him heal the broken. They saw him restore the lost. They saw him love on those who were unlovable. He watched them forgive those who were unforgivable. He healed those and restored them and helped them. This is the Jesus of the Bible. This is the God that we serve. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And these disciples experienced this tremendous sight of heaven on earth. They watched something and experienced something they had never seen before in their entire life. But I want to tell you today, something didn't just happen by what they saw. Something happened on the inside of these men. They saw incredible things, but something happened on the inside of them. Something happened on the inside of them that when they were with Jesus, they felt satisfaction they'd never felt before. When they were with Jesus, they felt contentment. They felt at home. They felt as though something was different. I could truly be myself. They felt fulfilled. They felt satisfied. They felt complete. They felt enough. There was something that burned on the inside of these men when they spent time with this man named Jesus. I know this. Because in Luke chapter 24, just later down in our verse in 32, it says that as they, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while this man named Jesus talked with us on the road? As they walked down the road with this man that they didn't recognize, as this man, Jesus, was risen from the dead, he was walking with these individuals, and they did not know it was Jesus. They did not recognize him, mainly because of the unbelief in their heart. They could not see Jesus. But as they walked along the road, on the road of life, Jesus walked with them and he began to unpack the scriptures to them and began to reveal himself to them and began to show them how good he was. And the scripture says that their hearts burned within them. It was like their hearts were on fire. Something had changed on the inside. It's because 
of these men forever. They felt as though something was different, and it's because they had been with Jesus. They had experienced what heaven was like. They tasted just a glimpse of what heaven must be like when they stood with heaven himself, eternity himself, Jesus, the creator of the world, the, the way, the truth, and the life. They, they walked along, and something burned and changed on the inside of them. It's because they were experiencing heaven on earth. And Jesus actually teaches on this. Interestingly enough, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, in John 17, 3, he's teaching his disciples, and he says, and this is the way to have eternal life. This is the way to experience heaven. This is the way to have a higher quality of existence on this planet and for the life to come. This is the way to experience. Look what the scripture says. To know him. To know God. And Jesus, the one you sent, he says, listen, I want you to know, do you want to experience heaven on earth right now? Do you want to experience what it feels like to have the very presence of God in your life, to taste a little bit of heaven? All you have to do is know Jesus. Actually, Randy Alcorn, author of the book Heaven, if you ever want to read a really good book about heaven, this is it. <laughs> Look what he says. We think that when we want is sex and drugs and alcohol, a new job, a raise, a doctorate, a spouse, a large screen television, a new car, a cabin in the woods, a condo in Hawaii. But what we really want is the person we were made for, Jesus. And the place we were made for, heaven. Nothing less can satisfy. And these men recognized that as they walked along in this moment where Jesus was no longer with them, you will see in a minute that while Jesus wasn't with them, they thought he was dead, they didn't recognize that this was Jesus, so in their hearts, they, no longer, they don't know where he is, they don't know what's going on. We'll see that these men begin to experience hell on earth. And see, the Bible teaches us that this thing inside of each of us that, 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 that actually was created for Jesus. We were created to have a relationship with him. We were created for our eternal home, heaven. And actually, uh, Solomon, the wisest man outside of Jesus to ever walk the earth, said in Ecclesiastes 3.11 that he, God, has also set eternity in the human heart. He's placed something in every single one of us that nothing on this planet can fill. No car, no job, no marriage, no finance, no, no, no career, no trip to, uh, to the Caribbean. It is something inside of us that nothing on this planet will ever satisfy, will ever fill. And what the scripture says is that deep in every one of our hearts, there is this open space in our heart that is reserved only for eternity in heaven, our home we were created for the God we were created for, and the Jesus, the relationship with him we were created for. And Jesus said, if you want that eternal life in your heart, that eternity to be filled, it only comes by knowing Jesus. See, but what we see here in this next few verses, as I mentioned, is that we see that these men walked with heaven on earth for so many years, but now as we walk through the rest of this verse, I was able to identify five things from this verse that identifies hell on earth. 
It's what it feels like when you and I are, are just lost in our life. There's five things we identify through this verse that when these, man, when these men no longer were experiencing that engagement and that relationship with God, something began to break down in their life and this resurrected Jesus was with them the whole time. He was wanting to reveal himself to them. He was wanting to show himself to them. He was wanting to fill that gap and that hole in their heart, that place in their existence, that place in their heart that nothing else can satisfy. As they walked with Jesus, something began to stir in their heart. But we see in this verse very clearly five things that articulate this road of life that Jesus is present, God is present in your life, but this looks like hell on earth. Look what he says in Luke 24, 17. He asked them, Jesus, the unknown individual in the story that they don't recognize, what are you discussing together as you walk along with sadness? The New King James Version adds, with sadness in there. And they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these last few days? What things? Jesus asked. Well, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet. Powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. We hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it was just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. They probably should have just listened to the woman in the first place. <laughs> Don't forget, in this story, the women were the ones who believed, the men were the ones who did not. So if you're married here today, your wife's right. <laughs> trust me. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they found they did not see Jesus. Five things here that, 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 I, that were revealed to me about these men that identify that they were experiencing what it feels like when, to have hell on earth. First thing is this. It says they stood still. Peter, their faces were downcast. They stood still. They were stuck in life. They had this idea in their mind that if I serve God or if I do the right things in life or if I'm good or if I make these right decisions, then, then, then things are going to go well for me. And now they have put all of their stock in this, this thing. Whether all the stock in this business or all the stock in this marriage. And, and now I'm divorced. What now? I started this business or I had that job and it was my everything and it fell apart. What do I do now? What do I do now when my marriage falls apart? Or what do I do now when my finances fall apart? What do I do now when my husband fails again? Or when my wife goes, goes, goes away? Or my kids call themselves for me and don't want a relationship with me and I haven't seen them for years? What do I do now when life falls apart and it doesn't turn out like I hope? We just feel what do I do now when life doesn't pan out like I want it to pan out? That feels a little bit like hell. The second thing we see here, very right in the same verse, it says their faces were downcast. They were sad or depressed about their lives. 
These men were very depressed and sad. They were so deeply sad. That word sad there actually refers to the idea of an angry sadness. I lost that person. I, I lost that relationship. I lost that job. And so you're not just, just grieving. There's an anger in your heart. There's an anger in your life that says, why did it have to turn out like this? You're grieving the loss of what happened in your life. And man, I thought that my marriage, I, I, I just was taught my whole life. I went to a Christian church and I went to a, a Bible study that told me that man, marriage is going to fix all my problems. How many of you know it doesn't? Hello. You get married, you think, oh, this is going to be fantastic. And then you get married and you start to feel a little bit sad that this isn't what it turned out to be. I thought it was going to be like that. I was told it was going to work out like this. My boss promised me this promotion. He told me it was going to be like this. And now I'm grieving the loss of what I thought was going to happen. Maybe this third one here in Luke verse 28, 24, it says, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. They were disappointed with life and disappointed with God. Have to recognize something here that things did not turn out like they hoped. They were disappointed. Life didn't turn out. It just didn't pan out like I hoped it would. There's a difference between being depressed about life and feeling like you just can't move on and feeling like you're stuck and feeling like every day I get up, there's a cloud over me and I just can't break through it and I feel like I'm overwhelmed all the time and I feel like I just can't think straight and I'm confused and I just feel like this sense of sadness. I gotta tell you, I'll be honest with you, I, I'm a pastor, and, but you know the reality is like I have this thing in my life where it's just sometimes I just feel sad. I just feel sad about the reality that there's nothing on this planet that will satisfy me, but I want it to. I want these things to satisfy me, and it just makes me sad sometimes. I just feel disappointed when I pray about things and it don't work out, or I invest my money and it doesn't pan out. And what happens when you're disappointed with life is that you stop trying and you stop trusting and you stop going forward and you just quit in life because you say, you know what? You're not going to hurt me again. I've been disappointed. You know what? I'm not going there again. You know what? I can't do business like that again. You know what? I'm not going to get another relationship again. You know what? We're going to stay married, but I'm going to put up a lot of walls because you have let me down. Maybe you're here today and you grew up at church or Catholic church, a Christian church, and the church let you down, or a pastor let you down, or church people let you down. Come on, somebody. Church people let you down. And you left a church because the church people let you down. You think, well, that shouldn't be church. And you go to the next church and it's the same old thing. What the heck? What's going on here? All these people suck. Why am I the only perfect person around here? <laughs> I keep going from church to church to church and everyone's screwed up. And I spend a lot of time Keep letting me down, but you know, I spend a lot of time with people. And I spend a lot of time sitting with people and talking about their lives. It's why I exist on the planet, to help people know Jesus better. And you'd be, you'd be interested to know how many people, when I peel away the onions, the onion peel of our life, when I get down to the root of the issue, it's that we're disappointed with God. These men had put so much effort over the last three and a half years of their life into serving him, and now he's dead in a grave. You said you were going to rise on the third day. The third, it's up. The third day's here. 
What's going on? I mean, the sun's about to come down. You promised me. I've been praying for a spouse. I've been praying for children. I've been praying for finances. God, where are you? You know what? I would serve you my, with my whole life if I could just trust you again. The core of many of our areas of hell on earth is that we've been so wounded by our expectations of how life should be and how church should be, about how marriage should be, how our job should be, that we just get hurt and disappointed and we live our lives to this place of protection because you're not going to hurt me again like you did before. And so we don't live the life that we were supposed to live. I want you to know that that is what hell is like. We live wanting no one involved in our lives because I'm not going to let you do this to me again. I won't allow it to happen again. This isn't going to happen. I'm not going to engage in that church again. I'm not going to engage in it because I won't let you hurt me one more time. That is hell on earth. I know it because I've been there. And I understand the pain of disappointment. I tell everybody this. If you want a good book to read, Book called by uh, it's called Disappointment with God. I forgot the author, but so you can figure it out yourself. Thank you, Philip Yancey. It's an amazing book. Changed my life. When life doesn't turn out like you hoped, and then it's funny. He says, "Okay, they're stuck. They're depressed. They're disappointed." And then he comes to this verse and says, "Okay, but like to add to my problem, you know, it's like the day when you." You know, you, get, you, you run a red light and get pulled over and then you spill your Starbucks coffee in your lap. You're like, oh, just to add to my problem, I had to spill the coffee. Or you order a latte and they give you something else. You're like, I ordered a latte! To add to my problem, they got my coffee wrong this morning. They gave me a triple shot. Now I'm wired! <laughs> this idea that we're anxious about our lives. He, says, he said, you know, just to add to the problem, it's the third day since all this took place. Just to add to the issue here, just to add to the problem, like I don't have control of my life. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and it really bothers me. We lived our whole life for three and a half years investing into this, this relationship and into this thing and trying to have children. And the problem is, is that I can only live for today and I wish I could see tomorrow. I wish I could see if we're going to have children. I wish I could see if that friendship's going to pan out. I wish I could see if that relationship's going to work. But I can't see past today and it really bothers me to add to it. I feel overwhelmed that I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't understand it, and it frustrates me, and I ask God to give me wisdom, and I ask God to give me peace, and it's just not there. You feel anxious and overwhelmed that just to add to it, it's the third day, and he still hasn't answered my prayer. It's day three, and I just feel like I want to take control, and we often do. We quit that job and get a new one, and then we realize that job didn't do it, so we quit that job, and we go to a new one, or we quit that church, or we quit that relationship, and we just keep going and going because we just won't stop and trust in God. Trust that he's got his best intentions for our life. We feel like time is running out. The fifth one here, and the last one, in verse 22, is that in addition, he says, okay, I'm feeling stuck, feeling depressed, feeling disappointed, I'm feeling anxious. He says, in addition, some of our women went to the tomb early in the morning, but didn't find his body. My life feels empty, just like that tomb. These men 
had invested their entire life into this, and now they feel this emptiness, this hole, this gap. And I know this very well. I, I'm very in tune with this sense of complete and utter emptiness at times. And this emptiness, it does nothing we try satisfies us. We try to have sex, we try to have careers, we try to have alcohol or drugs or people, some of you video games, spending money, family, hobbies, adventure, traveling, fame, fortune, possessions, money. We try everything on the planet to fill this utter depth of emptiness in our life. Like that girl sitting on the couch who's texting among all these people in a party with her legs crossed thinking, I just feel empty inside. That is what hell is like. Hell on earth. So when you and I experience life without the one that we were created to have a relationship with. Yeah. I don't say this just from empirical data or, or me reading a scripture. I say this from personal experience. And this is where Jesus met these men. As a resurrected Christ, he had died he rose on the third day. And when G the resurrected Christ, when Jesus showed up on the scene, he showed up when they were stuck, when they were depressed, when they were disappointed, when they were anxious, when they were empty. That's when Jesus found them. Do you think it was an accident that Jesus decided to walk into their conversation when they were expressing how they felt like they were living hell on earth? Man, this relationship is like hell on earth. Man, this job's like hell on earth. Man, I've lost my faith in God. I've lost my faith in the church. I've lost my faith in people. And God is right there the whole time saying, don't you think it's interesting that we decided to put this story in the book of Luke, that Luke was writing this out thinking that was a powerful moment when Jesus showed up as a resurrected God and said, I'm going to enter your emptiness and I'm going to enter your disappointment and I'm going to enter your anxiety and I'm going to come right into your life when you need me most. Right in that moment, Jesus found them. He found them when they were lost and broken and disconnected and hurting and in pain and they were feeling like I can't go any further and they were investing in all sorts of things in their life. Jesus showed up and said, okay, I'm here. He did not reveal himself to them because they did not believe in their heart. We see in this verse here, that Jesus shows up right then and there. It's almost like when you finally feel like you're onto something. I feel like this happens to me. I finally feel like my marriage is in a place where it's like on all cylinders. And then I just feel like it, something happens. You get in a big fight, you know? We don't do that. <laughs> For those of you who are married who haven't had that, you need to start being real, okay? <laughs> When you get that business, and man, it's cranking. I've been there, man. I'm making tons of cash. And then it dries up in three months with no business. And I think, I thought this was it. We spent our entire life searching to fill this emptiness. And I want you to know that every person on this planet feels it. Every rich person, every poor person, every person alone, every person married, every, per every person in a relationship, every billionaire, every person that is nothing, every single person on this planet feels this death and this loss inside of them and realizes if you live a long life, you talk to old folks, 90s, laying on their deathbed, they will tell you nothing in this life satisfies. Nothing will fill you like a relationship with Jesus Christ. Nothing will fill your heart. Nothing will fill your life. Nothing will transform you. And you think that you have to get your life better? You think you have to stop smoking? 
smoking or stop doing those things or stop talking like that or stop acting like that. I want you to tell you, Jesus loves you when you're just the way you are. He loves you with your nasty mouth and your nasty mind and your nasty heart. And he comes in right at that moment and says, I love you just the way you are. You don't got to change yet. Come on, I'm going to work on you. But don't worry about that. I want you just as you are right now, right here. And we just think, all right, Lord, I got to get it all figured out. No, you don't. That's a lie from the pit of hell. He wants you just as you are. We experience this in our lives because of sin and death entered the world. And we live in this world, as I shared in our first week on heaven and hell, we live in this world where we live in this hazy existence. I want you to know that frustration you feel, that emptiness you feel, that loneliness you feel, those things you feel in your life, they're not, they're not fixable by stuff. And Jesus does come and heal those things, but I want you to know, those things will never quit. Why? Because we live in a fallen world where sin entered the world and death came into the world. And no matter what we do, there will always be a haze. And actually, Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians. He says in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, 12, Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then... We will see everything with perfect clarity. He's talking about when we go to heaven. All that I know now is partial and complete, but then I will know everything completely. There is this haze of puzzled reflections. It's obscure. It's difficult to see. There's like a fog across the, my mind and my heart. And you think, what do I need to do to get it? And we go to self-help conferences and we read more books and we work out more and we do more and we try to do more, do more, do more, do more. When in reality, there is nothing that you can do that will ultimately satisfy this deep longing in your heart. I know without a shadow of a doubt, the only thing that can is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because when you have a relationship with Jesus, he brings heaven into to your heart. Your heart had a hole for eternity for heaven and when you meet Jesus and begin to serve him and begin to give your life to him he begins to fill that hole that only he can fill. Nothing else on this planet can fill it. Just Jesus. And he fills it. And you feel a little bit weird about it. You know, my wife loves me unconditionally and I hate it sometimes because it makes me feel terrible about myself because I don't deserve it. I don't deserve my wife to look me in the eyes and tell me that she loves me even though I'm a pretty big screw-up most of the time. That's what Jesus does to us. And that's what we do to him. You say, oh, I'm too bad. I'm too, oh gosh, no, 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 I can't have you. No, 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 I don't want your love. I don't want your grace. I don't want your forgiveness. I'm just too bad. I deserve everything I'm getting. Oh, go away from me. And what Jesus does is he loves us cares for us. And he comes and he settles this frustration that's in our heart. As we end our time here today in Luke chapter 24, it says this, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. And they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. So Jesus now is wanting to go further with them on this journey and they are, they are, or he's, he's wanting to go on to the next town, and they're trying to plead with him, please, please stop. Please go with us. Please don't go any farther. We want you to stay with us. Something's beginning to happen in their heart. 
Their hearts were burning within them. Something was happening on the inside of them. They were feeling their emotions and their heart stir when they were in the worship service and they sang those songs and I didn't, I didn't know the words and I didn't get it, but something was like, oh, what is that? That is heaven. That is eternity. That is the presence of Jesus burning in your heart. They experienced Jesus. Look what it says. They urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were open and they recognized him. Imagine for a moment, this man comes in the room and they didn't know who he was and they invited him over. As they sit around the table together, this man is looking across these individuals who did not believe that Jesus rose from the dead. There's unbelief in their heart. They were disappointed, they were depressed, they were anxious, they were stuck, they were empty. And Jesus grabs a loaf of bread and he begins to break this bread. He rips off a piece. He breaks this off and he, the moment he broke this bread, their eyes were opened. He walked around the room and he began to give this bread to each of the people in the room. He walked down the line and he handed it to each of them. He took the bread and as the moment he handed in the bread, their eyes were opened. They saw Jesus. They had a revelation of who he was. Why? Because back a few days earlier, Jesus sat up in the upper room with all of his disciples. And he looked at them and he ran a big table and they were drinking wine and eating good food. And he took the bread and he said, I'm going to break this bread. This bread is a representation of what I did on the cross for you. I went to the cross and I was nailed to the cross and I was completely innocent. And I want you to know, I did that so that your sins might be forgiven. That by the stripes on my back, you might be healed. And then he passed around the cup and he went around and he gave around the cup this wine. And the Bible says it is the, the cup of the new covenant. Meaning he gives you this glass which represents his blood. The blood that was shed on the cross that covers a multitude of sin that as far as the east is from the west, so God has, has removed your transgressions from you. And he went around the room and he handed this bread to them. And in one moment, these men's lives were transformed forever and they experienced heaven on earth because when they took that bread of forgiveness and they drank of the, the cup of redemption, their lives were changed. Do you know that the same Jesus that walked on that road with Cleopas is in the room right now? He's got a piece of bread in his hand and a glass of wine in the other. And he stands to you today and says, here, I offer you forgiveness. I offer you grace. I offer you redemption. I offer you life change. I offer you, yeah, your marriage might not get better tomorrow. Your finances might not restore tomorrow. But listen, we're going to work on it. We're going to get there together. But I'm going to heal your heart. I'm going to heal your life. I'm going to forgive you of your sins. I'm going to transform your mind. I'm going to change how you think and act and live. I'm going to transform you forever. All you have to do is take the bread and drink the cup. You have to start a relationship with him by accepting him into your life and saying, all right, Jesus, I don't have all the answers and I don't have it all figured out, but I want to accept you into my life and I want to confess that I believe you rose from the dead and that you can come right now and change my life forever. And it's going to be a journey, but I promise you this, when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you will experience heaven on earth. You stand to your feet this morning.
close your eyes for a moment if you could. Just out of respect for everyone in the room this morning. Lots of different people here today from different backgrounds and different places. As I started this message today, I, I was praying beforehand and I said to me, Ryan, just introduce them to your friend. Introduce them to the one who wants to have a friendship, a relationship with them. We all know that in relationships, things, there's ups and downs. <laughs> There's difficult times, there's good times, there's hard times. There's moments in a relationship where it feels severed and it feels broken and it feels distant. There's other moments where everything is right on all cylinders and it feels amazing. Sometimes a relationship with Jesus is just like that. Yet he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's always walking along the road with us. He's always there. You just might not see him right now. Well, with every eye closed across the room, just if you're here today and you say, Ryan, firstly, I, I do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I would like to experience heaven on earth. I'd like to experience heaven when I die in eternity with him. You'd like to give your life to Jesus today. It's very simple. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to see who I'm praying for. All you have to do today is just raise your hand. And I want to see who I'm praying for. We'll pray together real quick on the count of three. If that's you today and you would like to give your life to Jesus Christ and start a journey of a relationship with him, go ahead and put your hand up in the air really quick. One, two, three. Go ahead and put your hand up today. Amen. Come on. Praise the Lord. Come on. Many hands across the room. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on. All of heaven's rejoicing over these two individuals who just raised their hand today. Come on, just one more chance. Anybody else in the room? Say, you know what, Ryan? I want to give my life to the Lord. Last chance here today, and then we'll just move on to the next part. Come on, amen. Church, I want you to respond after me. Would you pray with me as we pray with these two individuals today? We're going to say a prayer. And this is just the start. This doesn't mean it's all, all going to happen in a second. It means this is a beginning of a journey of a relationship with God. So church, come on, today... Would you pray with me as we pray with these two people today? Repeat after me today. Dear Lord Jesus, I stand here today in desperate need of you. I've wandered a bit. I've, I've strayed a little. But today, on Easter Sunday, I declare I want to give my life to you. I want to start a relationship with you today. I want to start a relationship with you today. I give my heart to you today. I give my heart to you. Forgive me of all my sin. Forgive me of all Wash me whiter than snow. Wash me whiter than I commit to serve you all the days of my life. I commit to serve you all the days. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.